Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good to see you guys. Welcome back to a Thursday at the Block. Great day to have a great day. Uh, introducing myself, my name is Luke Hoagland. If we haven't met yet, it is great to meet you. I would love to meet you more personally uh, afterwards. I am the Young Adults Minister at Journey Bible Church in Olathe and, uh, and one of the directors here at the Block, Kansas City. So happy to be back for another night. We are in a series called Sin, as you see on the screens and as um, Scott mentioned, we are uh, looking at what are, what are some of the most deadly real sins that young adults, uh, this, this room, is dealing with in life. And we, and we want to we wanna put those on blast, we want to shine a light on them, and, and we want to we look at them for what they are, hold God's truth up to them. And, and this whole series is not designed to be uh, shaming anyone who is in their sin, we pray that God, by the Holy Spirit, would, would convict us of it. But we want, we want to help people find freedom. And, and in these next six weeks, in the seven-week series, we pray and hope that that is what happens in this room, that God changes some hearts and some lives. So last week was on idolatry. So if you were here, you remember, it's on Spotify. You can go check that out. And tonight, like Scott said, we are going to get into the topic of lust. The topic of lust. I know it's it's a it's a real one. It's gonna get real tonight. And uh, and lust, sexual sin, sexual immorality, sexual desire that is acted upon in a way that God never intended it to be. That is the things we are gonna be looking at tonight. Things that dishonor God, dishonor others, and dishonor ourselves. So right off the top, I talked about idolatry last week. Lust and sexual immorality, sexual desire can absolutely be idolatry. That, that is a thing. There are people potentially in this room, definitely in this world, that worship sex and sexual desire. That is what rules their life, that takes their money, and, and they put all of their resources so that they can achieve satisfying their sexual desire at all moments notice. That is absolutely a thing. And then there is a, another category. There's a category of people, it is the vast and it is often the silent majority who are ruled by lust, enslaved to it, who, who struggle with it and have no idea why. And it keeps coming back up and back up and back up in their lives. And, and, and this is the vast majority. And this is the majority of who we're gonna be talking to tonight and looking at. A definition of lust we're going to be, be using tonight is sinful sexual desire. Lust is sinful sexual desire. So there's that adage, if you really want to know what someone is like, what are they like behind closed doors? What are they like when they're all alone, when they're all alone and no one is watching in the secret place in the dark in the night? No one is looking. What does a person desire or do? And, and that is why. In my opinion, lust is the most deadly 
sin that young adults are dealing with. It's so deadly because you can be friends with someone and know everything about them. You know all of their deepest, darkest secrets and they can still keep lust hidden. That's today's day and age. That's the world that we live in. Lust is living and breathing and existing in places we have no clue about and in people that we never thought it would exist in. It's easier to hide in in this day and age. Our parents, the parents of the people who are in the room tonight, Man, if, if they had a, a lustful desire, if they, if they wanted to satisfy that desire in their heart, there's, there's some things they could do. They could hook up with somebody. They could imagine something in their mind and they could go to a drugstore. What, what your parents were doing, what my parents were doing is they would go into a drugstore, they would find the magazine section, they would go grab what they called a nudie magazine with models and people who were naked in it. They would walk up to a cashier and they would hand it to him. They'd look him in the eye and, and you know, the cashier's judging him. Someone's in the line behind him. They would do that and they would pay for it and they would buy it and they would walk out of the store with it. They were doing that. Like they were making that currency exchange. Man, I don't know about you guys. If I'm, if I'm in a Hy-Vee or if I'm in a, a gas station and I'm even within eye shot of the magazine section, I feel like a perv. I feel like I need to get out of here. Who is looking at me right now? Who sees me close to the magazines? I know I'm being judged. I'm judging myself for even being close to them. That is how I feel. And our parents were doing this. They, they were buying them in this way. Things have certainly changed since our parents' day. In 30 years, 20 to 30 years, things have changed so much when it comes to satisfying lust. I was born in 1993. In 1993, there were 120 websites total on the planet. Three years later, 1996, there were over 120,000 websites, including pornographic ones. Things have changed. The access has gone up. It has been multiplied all for the price of an internet bill. Income PCs, if you don't know what a PC is, it's a personal computer. Back in the day, everyone didn't have an advice, uh, a device that had access to the internet. You shared one with your family. Personal computers, you can have your own device with your own files, anything you ever wanted, and no one could know. Hide the files away. In walks the, the video iPod. In walks the iPod Touch. Wi-Fi on a handheld device. Wherever you want it, in any place in your house. You lock your door in the bedroom. You got your, you got your quiet time. You're all alone in the shower, in the basement, wherever you can get away. In comes the porn industry. Which is maybe the most profitable industry on the planet. Statistics don't show so. There's so much we don't even know about when it comes to this because people hide it. Here's the deal. 40 million Americans regularly admit to watching pornography. 40 million. Admit it. They admit to regularly watching pornography, according to Fight the New Drug. Also, according to them, uh, 75.8% of Americans admit to watching it at some point in their life. This is 
three-fourths of the adult population has watched porn in their life from the comfort of their own home or anywhere. These are just the ones who admitted it. So many people don't admit it. It's been hush-hush for ages and as almost as long as it's been around. These are the ones who have admitted it. I promise you the percentages are higher. A third of all downloads on the internet are porn. A third of the internet is porn. Over 100 billion videos are on the internet, have been downloaded and viewed. 30,000 people are watching in America every second. The stats are staggering and they're sickening. They are all sorts of things. If you didn't know, this is the problem. Classify it as that. This is the problem, the issue for years. The statistics were going up. And it was so hush-hush, the church wasn't talking about it. Your parents, your families weren't talking about it. Meanwhile, the statistics grew and grew and grew and grew, and now it enslaves generations as it got ignored. This is the room tonight. Those are the adult statistics. 73% of teens from 13 to 17, uh, according to a uh, study by Newswire, admitted to watching porn. Guys, these are just the ones that have admitted it. They're doing it younger and younger and younger. And this doesn't even include the apps, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, dating apps. There's, there's all sorts of things that have the access on it. 67%, a study was done worldwide. 67% of people in the world in this study have admitted to sexting. They send explicit materials of themselves to another human being. This is often what living for the weekend mentality is. It's driven by sexual desire and seeing if I can find a way to satisfy it. This is the air we breathe. And I don't, I don't claim to be an authority on the issue at hand tonight. I don't claim to, uh, to, to be the guy that everyone needs to go to to figure out this stuff. I speak to you from a couple different places tonight. One, as a believer in Jesus Christ a believer that his word is true and that his guidance in this area is best. So I speak to you from there. A couple other places I want to point out just as we get into this sensitive topic tonight. And firstly, I speak to you from a place of someone who is far too familiar with the sin of lust. My own life, my own personal life, I'll get into some of it tonight, but for years, there was no one on the planet who thought that I was watching porn. No one. I, I had, I was the goody two-shoes Christian boy that the other Christian parents were saying, go hang out with him. I was watching porn nightly. What was true is I, I couldn't fall asleep until I'd spent some time watching or more getting off to it. Even after becoming a Christian, it was something I had trained my, my brain to, to go to this time and time and time and time again. So it's no surprise that it came back up when that desire, that lustful desire would show itself. I would fall back into it sometimes for months at a time and I would struggle to fight it. But, but what's true guys is there's also no other area that God has redeemed more in my life. Praise, praise the Lord. I, man, God has 
legitimately made me someone new. Is it, is it crazy that the guy speaking to you about the word of God was that in the past that I just unraveled for you? That is not me. That is someone who is far gone. God is so powerful to heal in this area. So I speak from personal experience. I also speak as a married man. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, there's a bun in the oven. We, that means that we have had sex one time. <laughs> we have, that's all I'll give you. And, and I, can, I can tell you that it is just better in the context of marriage relationship than it is in any other way. Shame, gone. Love, higher. Marriage, closer. That's what sex does in the marriage relationship. Lastly, I speak from the place of someone who has counseled and walked alongside friends and other college students and young adults for over a decade. As following Jesus, walking with people through this, they're saying, hey man, I'm, I'm struggling this, with this. Can you help me? And, and I'm praying with them, walking with them, confessing with them, all of these things. So much so, here's the deal. It is not surprising when a guy confesses to me that he has a porn addiction. It's just not. In fact, if they don't say something, I ask. And then the answer is almost always yes. It is enslaved a generation, and I know it's not a guy-only issue, girls. I, I've looked at the stats. The stats are almost similar, and they're catching up to the guys. This is an issue across the room. The stats, they speak for themselves. The problem is undeniable. And, we, and we're going we're gonna to put it on blast. We're going to look at it so closely because when we look at it and we don't stay in this place of like not really thinking about it, but I'm just going to deceive myself into thinking that it's fulfilling my desires, we're not going to do that. We're going to look at it. And, and you got to know tonight that when you look at it for what it is, it is just not as good as what Jesus can give you. Pray tonight that God is going to use this message that to help you experience in some way his Holy Spirit convicting you of lust in your heart that you maybe don't even know is there, convicting you of something you're not even calling lust, but it is and that he would show that his way is better and that he desires you to walk in freedom. I know it's a touchy subject. We gotta pray. Pray with me. God, thank you for what you do as a savior, as a healer. God, I ask just that by the power of your Holy Spirit tonight, would you just convict the daylights out of us. And I pray tonight, God, that, that you'd use it. God, the block would be a place that sexual immorality wouldn't even be named among. God, that we would be a people that live free from this and a place where people find freedom. Would you do it tonight, Lord? Only by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, point number one tonight. Lust disagrees with God's design for marriage. Lust disagrees with God's design for marriage. It starts 
with God. It starts with God creating us. And he created us with this free will and with a desire inside of us. It means that God has given you the propensity and opportunity to desire intimacy with something, someone, something. And this is your free will that he's given to you. The adage, if you love something, set it free. God has done that. He, ge- he gave you life, breath, and he has set you free to do as you please. This is God's love for you. So really a wise and logical response to these things would be, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you for creating me, giving me this opportunity really to choose to love you. I'm not a robot. You don't control me. God, thank you for life, that we would consider him in all of our ways, all of the things that we do. God has been so good and he's crazy about me. So I'm going to live a life honoring to him. God, he also commanded in Genesis before sin even entered the picture. He said, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. He meant it. God is not only commanding this to people, but he is just laying out his design. This is how it's supposed to work. This is how it's going to go well for you in life. And that, that desire he has put inside you to, to desire that you would safeguard it and then present it from one man to one woman, one woman to one man. The book of Romans, best book in the Bible, that's my thought. That's not a fact. That is Luke's opinion. Um, Romans, it just lays out everything. If you have a single question about God, man, sin, salvation, Jesus, any of the above, it just, it's like a linear outline of salvation history. You, you ought to read it right in the beginning. Romans 1. Paul's, Paul's talking about what happened when sin entered the world. This, this is what it says. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So we didn't thank God for the desire that he gave us. We didn't acknowledge him rightly in it, and immediately what happened, basically, we became stupid. We became unwise. We didn't think purely. We became fools as we chose to not thank God and honor him rightly. And, and it goes on. It, it says uh, what happened is we, we turned away from God and we ran and we said we, we, we desire other things. We want to make idols for ourselves. We want to use this desire within us on things you told us not to. And God let him go. It says God gave them up in the lusts of their own hearts to impure things. So if you ever wondered why you don't think purely, you don't live purely, it's because you want to do that. You desire to not be pure. It is sin within you and it goes on. It says God gave them up even further. They desired to go even further and further and further away and God let them. He led him and he said, man, I mean, I hope you, as you do that, you would see how just not good that is and you would come back to me. 
gave them up. They went, they went further into sexual perversion, into further heterosexual perversion, into homosexuality, into all other sexual dysfunction, places they were never supposed to go. It's been said that all sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. This is absolutely true of the sin of lust. There's a quote that has come back over and over and over again in my life. It is not what I, I live by, but it has, has caused me to think uh, deeply about love. Um, and, and here it is, we'll put it on the screen for you. It says, to lust is human, to love is divine. The person who said it didn't want to come forward, didn't want to be associated with lust. See, that's how it is, apparently. To lust is human, to love is divine. And it reminds me, it makes me think of God. Okay, if it's just regular to lust as a human and God is loving and he is true love, what does that look like? And it means that love is covenantal. When God chooses to love something, he never forsakes it. He never turns his back on them. It doesn't mean he doesn't discipline them. It doesn't mean he doesn't punish them and afflict them so that they will see the error of their ways but he never leaves or forsakes them. God designed marriage to be that. One man, one woman, they would hold fast to one another, meaning that the sexual desire within them, that flame that is burning within them, that a man would gift that to his wife and a wife would gift that to her husband and they would give it to one another only for the rest of their lives with a promise to never forsake each other, giving themselves fully to one another and to no one else. The author of, uh, of Hebrews, uh, he's just encouraging people to live a life pleasing to God. And, and this is what he says, a piece of God's direction on how to live this way. He says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So, you should ask the question, and am, I, am I holding marriage in honor? God's design for marriage, this institution, am I, am, I, am I saying, believing, expressing with my life that I think that that is honorable? There's a lot that don't. Culture doesn't. Our culture is trying to say other things are marriage that God has said are not marriage. Have you, ask yourself, have you agreed with, supported, even celebrated things that aren't marriage that God has not called marriage? This, this is what God has, has given us up to. And he's, he, he doesn't give you up to so that he can never bring you back. He wants you to come back. He wants you to believe that his way is Good. Are you keeping the marriage bed undefiled? And I know this is a room of primarily single people. Are you keeping your future marriage bed undefiled so that when it comes, you're not bringing all that's junk with it? Are you keeping the marriage bed undefiled? Do you, as single people, you, you say, man, I, I agree. Man, God's design is good. It's best one man, one woman forever. 
But until then, are you going to get off on the internet? Does that line up? You going to hook up? Casual relationships? Yeah, I don't really need to save that desire within me for my spouse. I'm just going to let it burn and burn and burn. Do you see how this disagrees with God's design? I've been here. I know, I know some of you are here. Now you're thinking, it's, listen, it's not that bad. I'm not going to get caught. My spouse in the future, they're never even going to find out. I'll get my house in order when I need to. Hear me here. Lust only plays dirty. Point number two, lust's desire is to destroy you and your relationships. Jesus puts it plainly, Matthew chapter five, he's he's clarifying one of the 10 commandments that says, do not commit adultery. This is what Jesus says. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman or a woman who looks at a man with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members, one of, your part, one of the parts of your body, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members and your whole body go into hell. If you undress him or her in your mind, if you build up the fantasy of that possibility of, man, I could be with them and I could be with them forever. I could commit to them forever. But you're not even on that track. They're just a random stranger. They're just a person. If you're considering whether you would hit that or get with that. Jesus calls it adultery. An adulterer. It's cheating on your current or it's cheating on your future spouse who you're going to make the promises to, that it's going to be them and only them. It's kindness that Jesus is doing this here. It's kindness that Jesus is saying, hey, it begins at the thought level because all of the people who've done all of the things, all of the people who are the worst of the worst, who are the pedophiles, who are the rapists, all of them, it started in their mind. Every divorce, every worst thing you can think of, it started in the mind with a thought, in the heart. So if you don't think, if you don't take lust or fighting lust seriously, you do not see eye to eye with Jesus. You actually see pretty darn close eye to eye with Satan. He wants to make you an awful lover. He wants to destroy any intimate relationship you would ever have. He wants to make you sexually dysfunctional. He wants to mess up your brain to train you to be addicted to variety, to a variety of sexual partners, to a variety of spouses or people rather than to one person of the opposite sex, God's design. He wants to destroy God's design. In college, in the dorms, this was after I started following Christ. I'm in Christ at this point. 
there were multiple seasons of a month or two of just me falling back into this pattern that I had earlier on in my life, just pornography viewing. I promise you, nearly if not every night, it was on my mind. It was a battle that it was keeping me up at night. This lust was just in my heart to watch porn or to get off. And I, this would happen. I would realize that like later that day or the next day, I would just, I would see a girl who I'm great friends with. And I can't even like talk to them. I can't even like interact with them. I'm supposed to be this loving brother in Christ or just witness of Jesus to them. But my mind is so bogged down, so bogged down in what I've done and what I've become, the things that I've thought and the things that I did last night that I couldn't even think, I couldn't even feel. I was numb. I was unable to feel joy. I was incapable of expressing just friendship. My heart was just not pure. And I would tell God, man, God, that I hate the way that I feel right now. That's the last time. This is the last time. This next time is the last time. Listen, lust doesn't listen to your hopes. It won't take your advice. It doesn't play nice. It doesn't play fair. Its desire is contrary to you. Lust will make a trade with you. It will offer you a trade every single time. The trade it will offer you, it says, it, I will give you a fleeting moment of pleasure in exchange for genuine lasting joy. I'm gonna give you that moment of pleasure every time. Lust will give it to you every time and it will last a second. It will last shorter and shorter and shorter and it will never last for you. It will take lasting joy from you. It will give you the quick dopamine hit and it'll leave you with a heavy burden of shame. Lust will give you a moment of pleasure and it's gonna leave a heavy rock that you have to carry around with you. It's like, it's like this, uh, this, there's this smorgasbord of lusts, things that we can lust after. We walk into the marketplace and it's just lusts everywhere. We can choose, you know, we want that one. I want that one. I want to act in that way. I want that for myself, that desire. And we choose one and we ask, man, how much does that one cost? That 30 minute video of pornography, how much does it cost? Say, so listen, that's going to be a five pound rock on your self-esteem. How much does it cost to hook up with, with him or her one night? How much is that going to cost me? That'll be a four pound rock of shame. You have to carry it. You have to carry it with you. It's going to leave us empty and wanting. I want, how about that one? I want that one right there. I, I want to masturbate. How much, how much does that one cost me? That's going to be three days of feeling distant from God. Okay, doesn't sound too bad. What if I want to do it again and again and again and again? It'll cost you your sexual performance. That'll cause you erectile dysfunction. That will cause you confidence in relating to people. It'll cost you your relationship. It'll cost you your marriage. It'll cost you your future marriage. It'll cost you your reputation. 
I'm 29. So I've had many of my peers get married at this point in my life. As I'm in my upper 20s, there's a pile up of divorces as well. For many reasons, many unmet expectations, many like, hey, I want kids. You don't want kids. How did we not talk about this? Like, how did they get there? You know what the number one reason is? It's lust. It's uncontrolled lust. It's, hey, I don't want to remain committed to you because I want someone else. I want my coworker who I spend all of my day with. I don't even know who I want, but I don't want it to be you. I want something else. That's the reason for these divorces. This last year, I can name six married couples I know well. Divorce in their 20s because of lust. Some of these cases, it was the wife who who wanted out because they wanted someone else. One case, it was the guy. All people who would say they believe in God. all people who clearly were not fighting lust in their life. Lust plays dirty. It's going to enslave you. It wants to build a prison around you. It's relentless. It and Satan don't care about your good. It wants to crush you. It wants to drown out all your life and all of your hope. It wants you to take those rocks and weights and all the sin and all the lust and keep it in the dark and tell no one about it and never Become, come before God and be honest about it and it wants you to take it all to the grave and throw you into hell. Here's the deal. God has willed, has seen this and he's acted. He has desired and he has appeared to you to humanity, to end this. This isn't just us. It's getting worse in our day. It's been, it's been throughout history and he appeared. He's seen the problem and he says, I'm solving it. Your sin's paid for. Restoration, refreshment, regeneration. He can make you brand new. to walk in a new life. And that's point number three, lust's power and damage in your life has been and can be overthrown by Jesus Christ. Lust's power and damage in your life has been and can be overthrown by Jesus Christ. Titus chapter two Verse three, the apostle Paul is writing. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Paul is saying, listen, I was like you. I was in the middle of the lust. I was in the middle of the pride, in the middle of it all. That was once me but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness mean we didn't clean it up ourselves. We didn't clean up our lives. You can't clean up your life. 
but he has saved us according to his own mercy. He wants to be merciful towards you. You've built up this debt. He's like, I want to be merciful towards that because I am your option. I'm your out. I'm your escape. And I came and I appeared and I died for it and I paid for it. He's going to wash you by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit who he poured out richly on you through Jesus Christ. He has given you the very power of God to clean you up. He wants to cleanse you. He's going to do it. You don't have to do it. You've been trying to do it. You can't do it. Only God, by faith in Jesus, can do it or has the power to do it. So that being justified means you were made right before God, just as you, just if you had never sinned, we might, by his grace, meaning you, he gave it to, he gave it to you. It's not anything you did. We might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I told you I would get back to my story at the beginning, how addiction, enslavement, it was not the end for me. At one point, I told you I was not able to find legitimate rest at night until I had bowed down and worshipped the thing that I was enslaved to. I could not fall asleep until I went to that FCA golf camp, baby. Fellowship of Christian Athletes golf camp. And it was there I rightly saw God and his goodness and his kindness. Saw him for who he was. And God was pleased to crush Jesus on the cross. Blood spilled parts in different places for me. To save me. To save you from the grips of hell to most literally save me from the most torturous place I've ever been. I was failing to manage. I was failing to stay above float. Reputation barely intact. Wasn't going to last much longer. And it was there that I just confessed it all before him. I said, God, I, I agree with you. I agree that all of this stuff, it's weighing on me. I can't do anything to clean it up, to make it better. I can't live this life pleasing before you. It's all about to snap and crack and get exposed. I'm laying it all down. I believe that you paid for my sins on the cross, that debt of lust that's built up over there, meaning thousands of views and masturbations and all of the above. You paid for it. I believe it. And I trust in you. I can't make myself new. I need you to make me new. And I asked him to make me new. And he made me new. said, I'm not going to hold on to who I've been. I'm going to surrender that and I'm going to surrender to you. I know that's a similar story to many people in the room tonight. Amen? That's what God does. If Jesus is anything, he is God and he is a wonderful savior. C.S. Lewis has a quote. He says, lust is a poor, weak, Whimpering, whispering thing compared with that richness and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed. And, and I know there's people in the room that are like, man, my lust, when I satisfy that lust, it is the best feeling. 
It's the best thing I've got. It's the best thing I've experienced in this life. When I get that hook up and when she says yes or when he says yes and we do the thing, it's the best thing life has to offer. Let me tell you, it is such a counterfeit. Because when lust has been killed and you love, it's like you can feel and you couldn't before. It's like you can think and you couldn't before. It's literally like you've been born again and you couldn't feel before and you can feel now. He pulls the scales back from your eyes that have been distorting all of your vision. You see everything wrongly and all of a sudden you see, man, God's way is best. God is so for me and he is so good. He paid for me by his blood and he raised Jesus from the dead. If he can give Jesus another life, he can give me another life. No matter how much you think you've ruined it, how much you think you've been ruined, he's powerfully saved marriages. He's powerfully restored relationships. I saw, I saw a dating couple. They were both not following Christ. One of them began following Christ and the other one did. Five years later, came back together, got married. God does stuff like this. It's beautiful. He brings forgiveness where bitterness and adultery exist and rule. He did it for them. He can do it. For you, So here's, here's your application tonight. I've, I've stolen this from one of my favorite pastors to listen to. So I didn't come up with it myself, just so you know, put that out there. This is a battle acronym for you in fighting lust. It's CPR. CPR. C is for Christ. It all starts with Christ. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life for you and for eternity. He's the only one who can separate you from the debt of your sin. So find it. Find your life in Jesus Christ. The life that you're living that isn't found in him, leave it. It's not worth it. It's not worth trying to hold on to that life because Christ is so much better and he's offering it to you. And it doesn't stop at 90 or 100, but it will last forever. So learn, listen to, and obey God's commands because it's his design for you. He's laid it out. He's given it to you. It's for your good. And guess what? You're not the one who's going to be able to uphold his commands. But he will richly pour out his Holy Spirit within you to help you. He will give you the very power of God here and now. P, P is for pursue. What do I mean by this? I mean, uh, pursue marriage. No amens, okay. (laughs) Definitely hold marriage as honorable. Definitely hold it as honorable, the beautiful institution of God created for man. Hold it up as excellent. Fight for the marriages of your friends because they need your help. Fight for your own marriages. Come alongside each other. But I say pursue marriage also for yourself. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about how uh, Paul is saying, hey, this is me speaking. Uh, It's better for you to remain single as I am if you can bear it. Meaning that if you don't have that sexual desire of lust building up within you, causing you to stumble, it is okay for you to remain single. Actually, it would be good and better because you can be singly devoted to Christ. There is that option. You can be a single person living for the gospel and the kingdom of God for the rest of your life. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing when it is true. What's probably true is for the majority 
you ought to pursue marriage. There's, I know there's people in this room who know they're going to pursue marriage at some point. Some of y'all need to get on it. Amen, ladies. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> there's guys that need to quit dragging their feet. Because if you drag your feet and this lust is just burning inside of you, that's no good. But if, but if you can learn to walk in self-control by the Holy Spirit and get married, follow Jesus to someone who's following Jesus, your life can be a magnificent billboard for his name. Lastly, R is remove access. As someone who I told you earlier has been counseling people for basically a decade now on uh, uh, and sexual immorality and lust and stuff. I talk with guys all the time and, and I, I say this because it's been instrumental in my own life. Hey, are you ready to lock down your phone? Are you ready to lock down your computer, your device? And I'm not saying that that is what God says to do. God says to flee lust. This is certainly a way to flee lust, but it's a pretty good just litmus test on if the guy is serious about fighting lust. A few months ago, there was, there was someone who I was talking with and they, they told me about, it was, it was here, and they told me about their porn addiction. And I said, are you ready to fight? He said, yeah. I said, Can I lock down your phone? He said, yeah. His phone's locked down. It's still locked down. I've got his password. He can't get in there. He can't see anything he's not supposed to see. Man, that guy was serious. Serious about fighting lust. We got to get serious about fighting lust because Jesus is. One day the fight is going to be over. But what's possible is you may be fighting lust for the rest of your life. It's, it is potentially just a reality. I've heard from many older people, the guy who's discipling me, he says, it doesn't stop. Temptation's always there. We're, we're, we're tempting ourselves all the time. But what's true, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. You stand in immeasurable grace that never ends. You walk in grace. Every step you take, whether it's a sin or not, God loves you. God's for you. You can't be snatched out of his hand by the devil. No one can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So I say that because I know there's Christians in the room that are still struggling with this. And let me tell you, you don't have to muster up this obedience and figure it out so that God will love you. He already loves you. He's already sealed you by the Holy Spirit. You are a son or a daughter of the King. You obey God out of that. Not to earn it. The fact that he's adopted you into his family, he's marked you with his own name, that in itself ought to Put your shoulders back. You walk confidently. Satan doesn't stand a chance against you because the spirit of the Lord is with you and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Let me pray. Let me pray God would give us the grace to take our souls and the souls of others seriously. God, this is it. This is it in the room. I don't know the percentage that are 
that feel the pain of this topic and the subject. It brings up stuff in strange ways for me even as well, thinking back, but God, you have redeemed in crazy ways and you can do it for every person in the building. And God, as we, as we have uh, worship here, I pray that this would be a time of response as we sing how beautiful you are. And God, would we come to your throne in worship and prayer right now and surrender, knowing you offer full forgiveness. You will seal us and snatch us out of the enemy's hand. God, would tonight be a night of chains breaking. Let tonight be a night of soul saving. It's in Jesus' name we pray.